Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope and pray you're ready for the holidays because they're here, right? <laughs> Hopefully you don't have to go out today and try and find a Turtle Man doll, right? It's like the best Christmas movie ever made. Put the cookie down! Nar! Right? Yeah? Or even the latest toy that's all the rage this year. Yeah, when you think of Christmas, what do you think of? Yeah? The manger scenes. Last night at our relative's house, the manger scene is Woodstock is baby Jesus. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting take on the whole perspective, but okay. <laughs> I'd never seen that one before. Anything else? Like, oh, the kids left. Presents, right? <laughs> Presents! Everything underneath the tree needs to be open right now, right? Every gift came. Can we open that now? I'm like, it's not. It's not time. It's not yet that time, right? We're waiting, right? And that, just awesome. You know, you study biblical history, and for 400 years, silence, waiting, warfare. I mean, just what Hanukkah is all about is a rededication of the temple during that era where the Maccabees retook the temple from the Seleucid Empire and rededicated it. They didn't have enough oil. The oil lasted for eight days until they got more. And that's why there's eight crazy nights, right? So, sorry, that's a movie. <laughs> but there's eight nights of celebration, of lighting of the candle, of lighting of the menorah to celebrate this holiday, these holy days. You know, when I think of Christmas, we think of, when we think of time with family, we think of time upon what, what the Lord God has blessed us with. We, we think of you know, good food and fun treats. There's a lot to think about in this season. But I think sometimes the, the last thing that we want on our mind during this season is, is death, right? And there's a, a lot of people that, that deal with that even in this time of season. But it's amazing to think about it that during the darkest season of the year, the light came. And the truth is, is that he came to, to die so all things would be made right. Right? The three words that, that change history, it is finished. Paid in full. It's done. It is finished he came to make everything right he came that the sting of death would be no more Jesus came that man no more would die Jesus is the one and only I loved when I told my mother-in-law about this sermon series for the next two weeks and she's like well that's a, that's a little narrow there Ben I'm like well we talk about him every Sunday because he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings that was a good, fun conversation. Now, he is the only one who has and can, can and has, right? Right? You know, he's expected. And then he, he has destroyed death with death itself. It's a trick maneuver. Oh, look what I can do, right? Yeah. Not dead yet. Right, Toby? All the isms, all the religions, all the worldviews cannot destroy death. 
They haven't and cannot deal with death. But Christ has come. Emmanuel has come. The Gospel of John states it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's an amazing passage and that that ending right you know that ending points out that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it and cannot overwhelm it that's an amazing thing that if the strong man is within you there's nothing that can harm you here rest and abide in him and live life in him We who come to the light and accept the light are born of God because Jesus Christ came to make us new. That even when we die, even as we face the ups and downs of this life here, we have a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. Christ Jesus who has passed through the curtains, right? In this season, we look at Jesus Rightly so, right? <laughs> yeah. And we will see that He is the one and only. Well, let's start in a word of prayer before we go to the Scripture. But Father God, we thank You. We thank You for this time that we can come and just celebrate. Celebrate that Emmanuel has come, that God is with us, that He came, took upon flesh. Your Son took upon flesh and dwelt among men, and them who receive Him become children of God, born from above. Thank You, Lord, for just the time of fellowship, of time of, of gathering to, to be encouraged, to be equipped. Life is tiring. Life is weary. Things we're waiting for things. We're, we're wanting things. We're, we're dealing with our sinful selves and other sinners. And Lord, it's an amazing thing to know that you wrestle with the sinner's heart. You wrestle with Jacob. That you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The man who wrestled with God and that, that we wrestle with different things through life and circumstances and everything, Lord, but, but you are faithful and steadfast and we extol you and are so glad by grace we can be saved. By placing our faith in Christ, we can know we are heaven-bound to dwell with you forever. Amen. Amen. Well, the first thing we see about Jesus is that He is the only Messiah and there are no others. It's always good during Christmas time to go back to the beginning. At least I always think I feel like I find myself in Genesis 3 at Christmas time. Well, if you want to turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 3, we'll read of our Messiah.
I'll be in verses 1 through 7. It states this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eye and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And their eyes, and the eyes of both, the, of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they soon fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Right away we can see that humanity has believed a lie, that we disobeyed the word of the Lord and sought to be like God, which is not what we're purposed for. We are, we are purposed to be image bearers. We're not here to, to make right and wrong, but to dwell with the Almighty. See, as Adam and Eve took and ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they knew, they came to know that they were naked. So the first man-made religion right here in the garden is that they clothed themselves. See, they became aware of something that they had never become aware of before. And now they tried to cover it up. Genesis goes on in verse, verse 8, stating this, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said to him, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave me to be, who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. You know, this doesn't happen in marriage anymore, right? <laughs> and then... Uh, the Lord said to the woman, What is it that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Who's Eve pointing to? Well, you, you made this guy, right? The Lord God said to the serpent, I like this, this is the part of God turning and not starting the blame game and just joining the crowd. He's like, no, I'm going to deal out the consequences. And right away he turns to the serpent and says this, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. 
This again, you know, matter-of-factly points out to us that humanity, that religions, isms, religions, religions, <laughs> religions, isms, good morals, can and will merely hide things. It's it's a it's a facade where the word of the Lord exposes us as what we are. We are sinful. We are sinners. That we are truly naked and in need of God's grace. And thankfully in this passage we see the first promise of it. The first promise of grace to come, of, of Messiah coming, of, of how it all works, right? When, when God slaughters the animal and clothes Adam and Eve, it's a clear picture of by faith you will be saved. Just as Abraham, so Adam and Eve, so all of us that believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the first promise of the offspring. And he, is, he will come to deal with the problem. And we see it throughout our days, throughout all of history, the enmity between the offspring of the servant, of the serpent, who is the devil, and the offspring of the woman, who is Jesus, who has come at the fullness of time. The Son was sent forth by the Father, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem. You know, the Messiah does this here. He comes here to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. It's amazing. Because now through Him, through the righteous one, we can be made righteous. And by His death, by His wound, He crushes the serpent's head. Victory is won in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus and now we await the king and his coming kingdom, which Daniel speaks of in his book. He states this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the cloud of, clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom shall be one and shall not be destroyed. Jesus is the one who is able to to walk before God because He and the Father are one, right? We worship a triune God, one in nature, three in person. That is an amazing thing. And anyone in Christ, right, hidden in Him, like Colossians says, will be presented blameless before the Father by Jesus with great joy. And we will dwell with God personally once more. Physically, right? You know, personally, we, you know, He's in us as we're sealed and, and walking in this life in sanctification. The second thing we see is that Jesus is the one King. Isaiah states it like this. Right? We've got to get to the Christmas verses, right? We can't just be in Genesis. We've got to get to the meat. 
Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call His name Emmanuel. Now we very much readily know what Emmanuel means, right? What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. To meet a person that doesn't know what that means is hard. Say what? It's heartbreaking because they might name the name of Jesus, but they don't know who He is. It's another an amazing promise of prophecy of the coming Messiah that we would look for this, a, a virgin conceiving and bearing a son and He will be God with us. How is that hard to miss, right? But there is a veil, there is an enemy, there is distractions that can take those, what we take for granted, away from others. He will, He is, God in the flesh, dwelling among humanity. And I'm like, hey, you know, for about the fourth or fifth time, right through the Psalms we quoted and, and have read for John 1, 9 through 14, how many times, right? Three, four times, Bryce, you think? I, I can't remember. At least through Psalm 107, I think it was every Sunday. So I was like, okay, Lord, let's read it again. <laughs> Another. <laughs> The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, and He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own. His own people did not receive Him. Aren't you glad it doesn't stop there? Right? End of story. Game over. Nah. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory as from the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Sorry, I just really want to read verse 18. Verse 18 states this, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side he has made him known. Anyone who has seen this sign from the Lord, anyone who believes upon the life, the God who has dwelt among us, they are born again by Emmanuel. He came to bring light and life. Isaiah states this next, right? Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And the name, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, and of the peace, there will be no end on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There are people that proclaim that Christ, yes, is the Prince of Peace, but somehow He's not God. I'm like, it's in the same verse. It's in the same verse. And I like, part of me I wanted to share a little bit later, but I'm like, you know, every single verse that I've shared with you on Friday, I got to share with two Jehovah Witnesses. And we'll just you can write on your prayer requests to Eleanor, you know, because I, you know, with that on, I want to be respectful of of who they are and everything. But it's just like these are. I was reading this last night and like refreshing and getting ready and I'm just like, how how can you miss it? She literally quoted, oh, he's the Prince of Peace and I'm like, do you know what the rest of the verse says? And he is mighty God. I missed that part. I went to Everlasting Father because they don't believe in the triune God. They don't believe that Jesus is God. He's he's a some kind of perfect man. I'm like, you know, and we try to talk about that and kind of get to that barrier, but... There's people out there that are lost and have no idea that Emmanuel has come for them. And we can be so thankful that he has come for us, that a child has been born for all of us that are stuck in darkness, all of us that have believed wrong things and still deal with things that we grew up with and things that we, you know, struggle with. But he is the king that we have to deal with because he is God in the flesh. So pray for them. That those those words, those the word of the Lord, not just my mere words and my you know, quirkiness would stand out, but that, that the words of the Lord, the seeds of the gospel would go into that that hard soil, that that you know, whatever they're dealing with in life, whatever lies they've heard from others or how they've been treated by other believers or anything that they would feel the compassion of of Christ Jesus come to unload these sinners, all of us sinners, all of us ungodly. I wrote a note in a, you know, sadly, a a Christmas book that they didn't take, but I I tore it out with a note that I wrote to them and I said, everything is done. There is no work to be done. Jesus alone. And they didn't even know the definition of Emmanuel. They didn't even know what's justification. Because there's lies everywhere in our world, right? But this amazing truth, we can go and tell it on a mountain or tell it at the store. <laughs> Jesus teaches us to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. We are awaiting a king and a kingdom. We are awaiting the prince of peace to bring justice and righteousness forth. We are awaiting a God to do this. The God. 
from the throne of David. Please turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7. I know when Alicia had said that Emmanuel has been really impressed upon her during this year, this season, that it was, especially on Friday, it was really impressed upon me that there's a lot of people that don't understand that, that simple, amazing phrase that we can take for granted, but there's others out there that, that don't know. Because as we see in this prophecy of David, it's, it's an amazing forever one that will sit upon the throne of David, and that's no mere person. That's no... It, it's God <laughs> in the flesh. Uh, uh, sorry, Second Samuel 7, chapter, yeah, chapter 7, verses 12 through 17, states this. This is a prophecy from Nathan to David. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will rise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever and I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son when he commits iniquity I will discipline him with the rod of men with the strips of the sons of men the stripes of son of men but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this, vi the, this vision Nathan spoke to David. I was like, yeah, you can, you can look at that and say, well, that, that kind of talks about Solomon. You know, this is what will happen. But there's parts in here that I'm like, we don't talk about a man. It points us to a king and a kingdom forever before God. It points us to a Messiah, to Jesus, who will be from the very bloodline of King David. Right? We always kind of might skip over those genealogies or listen to the audio Bible version of the genealogies. Right? I can't say those words. I'm like, neither can I. The fun part about it is, I heard this a couple of year, weeks ago, is that none of us say I'm right because we don't speak Greek or Hebrew. I'm like, yeah, that's just medicine for the soul right there. <laughs> yeah, it's like we, it's okay. But the names, those genealogies are so important because they show us that Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the fulfiller of the law, the fulfiller of the promises of God, and the person the man, the God-man in flesh who brings forward, for, forward redemption for all of humanity. And thirdly, we see this. That Jesus, He is the Savior given. Jesus was given among mankind so mankind no more may die. He was born in Bethlehem and He was born to give us second birth. Jesus was given to humanity that we would accept the free gift of God 
John records this from the very lips of Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. Jesus tells us why he came. He tells us why the birth in Bethlehem is cause for great celebration. Because God so loved the world. Because God doesn't leave us in our brokenness telling us to clean up our own mess. No, he comes for us. It is true. It's true that you know, not all paths lead to God. But this is true as well, is that God made the path back to him through his son, Jesus. Peter proclaims this. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other way but through Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God. He has made a way. He makes way for whoever believes upon His Son will not perish but have everlasting life. Faith, trust, resting upon Christ is the condition. Nothing else. Jesus came first to deal with sin and death so mankind would come to Him. This is, this is God raising up His Son to draw all of mankind to Himself. That we would have the opportunity to choose our path, life or death, light or darkness. We can see that Jesus is also this. He is the promised suffering servant who has not come just to set up a kingdom, which will happen, but first, he has to march up another hill. He has to march up Calvary. The Mount of Calvary comes before his foot hits the Mount of Olives whenever he comes back. Everyone's always looking for an ETA. It's like, just be ready. Just be ready. Be awake. Be ready that the Lord may come. He marches up the hill of Calvary to die. Please turn in your Bibles one more time with me to Isaiah 53. The prophet of the Lord writes this. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. 
He had no form or majesty that we should look at Him. And no beauty that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrow and adequated with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, He was despised. And He... And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent. He opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away and from his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put to grief. And when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring and he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. The beautiful thing about these words in Isaiah is it perfectly describes the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, right? Yet it was written 700 years before the birth in Bethlehem. 700 years before Jesus walked on earth, yet it informs us about what He will do and why He will do it. He will heal the sick. He will heal the blind. He was crucified. And He took upon all transgression to bring us peace. For all of humanity had gone its own way. But God laid on Christ all of our iniquity. He did not defend himself. No, he was cut off. And his grave was with the wicked and yet with a rich man. Like, it's even the itty bitty parts of the story, right? By the will of the Lord, this happened. So that Christ would pay for the guilt of all. That he would make many accounted to be righteous, right? Every once in a while we've kind of, you know, from Jude and Hebrews and even right here in Isaiah, we can see the joy of the Lord is redeeming us sinners, is coming for the ungodly. 
and bringing us back home. Now, we were talking about uh, Luke and the, um, the prodigal son. And you, know, you see it, the son goes off, he squanders everything. He comes to his senses and he, and he goes back to the father. I'm going oh, to tell a story and you know, I'll just be a hired servant. You know, they get you know, more than this pig slop that I'm wanting to eat. The father runs out to him and, and envelops him in grace and throws a feast as, you know, as in the last two stories before that, the angels rejoice. You know, the rejoicement of angels in heaven that, that these sinners have come home. And it's the same picture. The father's throwing this banquet. He's slaughtering the calf. And it's this amazing picture at the end of those that are far and those that are near. And that son that had never done anything wrong, maybe, <laughs> right, quote, unquote, and everything I have is yours, son. And, and he only wanted the stuff. He only cared about the fattened calf. Well, you haven't done these things for me. And yet you're, you're squandering it on this son of yours, right? He doesn't even say my brother, right? It's just an amazing picture of whether we're near or far from God, he calls us home to come into that banquet hall and to sup with him, right? And that's an amazing part of communion and union with God through Christ Jesus. And through him, we can be at that banquet hall. We can be invited into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus was given to make intercession for the transgressors. For all of us, he came, born a babe in Bethlehem, born to die. So the church, the whoever believes upon Christ Jesus now has the opportunity, has the commission, right? He doesn't say it as a used car salesman, right? Go therefore, go. You know, right? you know, it's like, no, go. all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, Son of the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I command you. And then the awesome part, the attached file. Lo, I will be with you always through the end of the age. You're not alone in this. We're together and He's in us and with us. How cool is that, right? He's even with the scared chicken that's like, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to. They're there. <laughs> we're told, we're commissioned to go and tell the world, to go, right, tell it on the mountain. That Jesus Christ is born today to save sinners. That Jesus Christ came to die to save sinners. That there is one Messiah that, you know, therefore we call out to the world that we are to receive this King. or to make room for Him, right? For He alone is the rightful one. He alone is God in the flesh. And we can celebrate that no matter what we're dealing with in this time, we can celebrate in the darkness of time God gave His Son. The Savior was given among mankind. That through Him we have hope and peace with God. And a Savior that loves us. A God who sympathizes with our weaknesses and walks through it with all of us. 
the question sometimes I, I ask myself is like, am, am I walking with him through it, right? Or am I carry underwooding it? I'll just take the wheel, like, and then you're screaming when you're going down the ditch. Take it, take it, <laughs> right? No, let him drive and abide. That's a good bumper sticker. There we go. Let's let's get that one out there. <laughs> let him drive and abide. And may you all have a Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you so much for the amazing truth that God the Son took upon flesh. He is our Emmanuel. Come to dwell with us. Come to save us from all of our sin, all of our unrighteousness. And no matter how good I am, how whatever good I do, it is filthy rags before a holy God. And that through mercy, I do not receive what I should receive, which is hell. Zero it out. And then through grace, unmerited favor, I am blessed beyond all measure in Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior. That anyone who believes upon Him can be saved, sealed, and ready to walk through life, all of its ups and downs, with a living God, with a living hope that we can cling to you throughout it all, Lord. And thank you so much for this, this season, this, you know, the amazing pictures of, of lights in the darkness, of the trees, of the, of the... Just that your light came, the true light, and that anyone that believes in the, the way, the truth, and the life receives life is placed on that path to be a workmanship that we can go out and tell it that this is what Jesus has done for me, that yes, I am a sinner, but He is a mighty Savior. And He's here for you too. Be with us, Lord. Encourage us. Equip us. Help us as we, we go out to family, we go out to friends, that we would proclaim, You have come for us that you are Emmanuel, the God with us. Be with us as, as we go throughout our week, Lord. May we aim to please you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.